You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How many have been to Gainesville, Georgia? Not Gainesville, Florida, Gainesville, Georgia. A couple of folks. Well, there's this really great musical based on a book. It's a musical uh, by Harry Chapin. Cats in the cradle in the sill. That guy. Uh, and he, he, he wrote a musical called Cotton Patch Gospel based off of a book by Clarence Jordan. And it takes place as if Jesus is born in modern day Georgia. And it opens up with this. Something's brewing in Gainesville. Wonder what it could be. Something brewing in Gainesville, come on down and see. It's Gainesville where the wise men went from the center stable to a revival tent. It's a hell of a place to be heaven sent. Gainesville bound for me. There's this excitement. I'll be here all week. I'll be <clears throat> There's an excitement as it starts. You want to get up out of your seat and go to see what all the fuss is about. And I imagine that this is the same kind of feeling the shepherds felt when the heavens opened and an angel came and said, you've got to check out what's happening in Bethlehem. And you need to go now. But that's the part of the Christmas story that begins to fill me with great anxiety. And it's because the wise men had a star. They had the GPS. They didn't have to look. They just followed where the star stopped and that's where they went. The shepherds, on the other hand, the shepherds had to earn it. The angel didn't say, oh, by the way, Mary and Joseph are at 221B Baker Street at the corner of Main and Fifth, right? They said, you're gonna find a baby. Now, the angel didn't say good luck, but it almost sounds as, I know, right? You're gonna find a baby. Now, if that happened, if all the babies in Bethlehem cried out at once, that would have made it a lot easier. But we hear that it was a silent night. So good luck, shepherds. Now, first, go find a baby. <laughs> the angel says, you will see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I mean, Bethlehem is not a booming metropolis, but there's gotta be more than one manger in the city. Bethlehem is about an hour not an hour, it's about a mile away from where the shepherd's fields are, depending on how you draw the line. So it's not terribly far. I mean, Jane could run it in, what, seven, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, ten. It's not that far, but it is far enough where you have to leave the sheep. They had to leave their capital. <laughs> they had to leave their livelihood in the field. In other words, following Jesus can be risky. If you're traveling with haste, you got to pack light. The shepherd said, we will go now with haste to Bethlehem. If you're going with haste, you have to travel light. You can't pack with you a lot of the baggage you think you need to carry. When Jesus set out 
uh, the 72 later in the gospel, he says, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. If you're traveling with haste, you got to pack light and it's risky because you have to put down the phone. You have to put down your email. You cannot pick up worry. You have to let go of the burden of always being right. It's risky to follow Jesus because those are the things behind which we hide. Because we believe the lie that we are not enough. You got to pack light if you're following Jesus. You got to put down guilt. You need to put down shame. There's just no elbow room for those things on this journey. If you're traveling with haste, you got to pack light. Second, you're never on this road alone. The angel says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But the angel didn't tell them exactly where this child was. So this necessitated the shepherds knocking on doors and asking questions and going into the city to search. They didn't have the star that the wise men had. They had to find the child on their own. Seeking Jesus necessitates community. And hospitality was already written into the story. Can you imagine if the shepherds went out and says, where is the child? And no one opened their door. The Christmas story would be very short indeed. They would go back to the field and say, hey, we looked. No one opened their door. No one let us in. Number one, seeking Jesus, being on this journey means you have to pack light. And it also means you need to do things like open your doors to be with the shepherds, to welcome them in. If the folks in Bethlehem didn't do that, it would be a very short story indeed. Or maybe I'm making it way too complicated. That's fair. <laughs> I'm glad you're all sitting down for that. Maybe, maybe I'm just making it too hard. Maybe the shepherds knew that Mary and Joseph were in town. Maybe the shepherds knew that Mary was pregnant. Maybe they knew exactly where this child was. The angel says, you will find a child, and they could have known exactly where to go. So maybe the angel's proclamation was less about finding the child and more about recognizing who the child is. What I mean by that is putting a name to the face, right? Every morning, I hear Steve Inskeep on my way to the office on NPR, and then I saw a television uh, uh, interview with him, and I was like, that's that guy? Have you ever, have you ever like, seen the face of a radio personality, you're like, oh, that's why they're in radio, you know. But he, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's an attractive man. It's fine. I'm not picking on Steve Inskeep. Just like last week, thank you for all the pictures of Michael Phelps while I was preaching. That was amazing. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for that. That wasn't, that makes the top five of awkward moments of preaching last week. So thank you. Thank you for that. That's who that is? Maybe the angel's proclamation is telling the shepherds, like, I know you know where the baby is, and I know you know that a Messiah is coming. Equate the two. That's who that is. Go find this child. The Messiah is a baby. It's like yesterday when we celebrated, and Miles did a beautiful sermon uh, celebrating Dan's life uh, at Rose Neath. Everyone who knew Dan knew that he was very proud about being uh, a veteran. He was a veteran of uh, Vietnam. But maybe you didn't know that he was also a really great cook. 
and he was a marbles champion. Like he won tournaments playing marbles, right? And he also could repair pneumatic devices. You know, I'm surprised, he probably has like a book of poetry that's unpublished, like in his journal somewhere. You know, that's that guy? You mean the Vietnam vet? He, he's the one who's been cooking and writing and... Yes! Oh my God, if you're not curious about the humans around you, spend the day marveling at how God is working through each and every one of us. Oh my God, when we start to get to know people, we get to see how beautiful and big God really is. Maybe the proclamation was about the shepherds connecting the dots between the Messiah that they knew and the child that they probably knew was in Bethlehem and equating the two. This is about knowing who Jesus is, knowing that the one who is born is the one who will reveal love in the world. Knowing that the one who is born is the one after whom all of creation is groaning. Knowing the one who is born after, uh, uh, that will open the eyes of the blind and, and welcome the sinner and touch the leper and break the rules, even the rule that death has the final say. Oh, that's who that is. Just as the, tra the, the shepherds traveled with haste to Bethlehem, do you know what Bethlehem means? It means city of bread. The story begins in the city of bread. We today come to the table where bread is broken, shared, full of grace, in a space of redemption. The invitation that we make every week is Christ invites to the table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. In other words, there's no room at the table for the baggage you think you need to bring. Jesus says, before you come up to the table, reconcile with your brother. Friends, there's no need to bring to this table guilt or shame. You can bring with you forgiveness. You can bring frankincense, gold, and myrrh. You just won't leave with those things. Lay all of it here. Put it down. The burden is light, and it has to be. If you're traveling with haste, you got to pack light. Secondly, it takes communion. We shake everybody's hands before we come to communion. Not because we want to make sure that everyone gets a stomach bug. We want to make sure that we are all reconciled with each other. Leave your gift if you have a beef with your brother. I'm not saying we have to figure out everything before coming to the communion table, but just know that when you come here, all of the, as my grandmother would say, all the rigmarole needs to stay in your seat. Following Jesus means you have to pack light and also means you need to be at peace with yourself and also your neighbor. Leave all that in the pew when you come forward to the table. Community packing light. This is where we share peace, and it starts with your siblings first. Or maybe, maybe you know the story. Maybe this is not your first time in Asbury. Maybe this is not your first communion or Christmas. Maybe today is the, real, is the realization. You know the stories. You know the community. You know where the baby is found. Maybe the proclamation for you today is, oh, that's who that is. Maybe today is your heart is strangely warmed. Maybe today, 
is you needing to know that you are forgiven and that you are loved and you can't help but come back tonight and light the candles and sing Silent Night because you just can't get enough of a place where you are welcome, a place where you are forgiven, a place where you are loved. Maybe the message for you is why wait for someone else to do the thing that God is calling you to do? Wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Oh, that's Jesus, the one who invites me to the table today. And maybe today the whole point is to be your own candy jet and just tell everyone who has ears to listen about the love that you have found in this place. Like the shepherds finding the Holy Family, it says they told everybody what they had discovered and they went home with joy. What is joy? The steadfast assurance that God is with us. If you've spent any Christmas at Asbury, you've heard that. I'm gonna write it on my tombstone, hopefully in 127 years. Joy is the steadfast assurance that God is with us. May you know this today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.